Thank you. So name a time in your life, and you can name it out loud if you want, but it's probably rhetorical. I don't know. Depends on how transparent. Maybe, maybe share it with the person next to you. Name a time in your life when you always, maybe you always got what you wanted. Has there, there ever been a time in your life when you always got what you wanted? Uh, maybe a job. Maybe a job that you held where you always got the promotion or the raise or the cool responsibilities that you wanted. Um, even, um, I'm not seeing a whole lot of shaking heads. Okay, so now let's think about reality. Because those things aren't reality, right? We don't always get what we want. Our plans don't always work out. Okay, Even if you are the boss, you don't always get what you want. You don't always get the cool jobs. You don't always get the cool responsibilities. And um, your plans fall apart. That just happens, right? Mike Tyson, he's quoted as saying, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And then that plan goes away. He was a pretty good boxer, and a lot of people had plans on how to beat him, and eventually someone did. But, uh, so let's, let's, let's be a little more realistic. Um, think about a time in your life when things were going well. We can probably think about that. There were things in our lives that are going well, okay? Uh, maybe everything's lining up, job's going good, kids are good, family's good. All right, maybe you got a little boost and raise or a bonus or something. And, and then you have a setback. Something happens, right? Maybe it's a health setback. Maybe the car breaks. Maybe it's financial. And if the car breaks, it's financial, right? Maybe uh, something in a close relationship happens, falls apart. You have a problem. There's a fracture. There's a disagreement, whatever. Then, uh, things, when things don't go the way you planned them, um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't get the promotion at work. And then the job inter- that you interviewed for, you don't get it, okay? And then uh, maybe you just plan to have a quiet night at home, and the, but the kids wouldn't eat their dinner. And then they wouldn't go to bed. Or, or they'd go to bed, but then they wouldn't go to sleep, Right? That still happens even when they get old, just so you know, parents, um, sorry. So things don't always go as they are planned, and things can fall apart. And um, so that's the way I'm, I'm painting the brightest picture possible at the very beginning of the sermon today. You're welcome. Let's be honest, the, fir- the second situation is a lot more... Um, real in our lives than the first, right? Where we want to paint the perfect thing. Um, but the second part where things fall apart, a lot of times that's more real. And <clears throat> we're, we're towards the end of a time uh, in this series that we're calling the following season. We've been talking about the Israelites and their time wandering around in the wilderness. And everyone, what we've established over the last few weeks is everyone has a following season, whether 
everyone. So whether you're a Christian, a Jesus follower or not, um, everyone has a following season. You're in one right now. And some of you, and maybe this is you today, maybe this is where you line up. Some of you are following Jesus. And you're like, okay, that's me. I do that. And you're growing your relationship with him. And you're studying his word, and you pray, and you communicate with God, and you feel like you're, you're daily surrendering to the will of God, okay? And then um, some of us, some of you here today maybe, are, are, are following something else, okay? That might be you today. And um, maybe you're looking for answers in the world, but you're struggling to find those answers that you need Okay, you can find answers, but they're not necessarily correct, right? What you want or you need. Um, you feel this emptiness in your life, but you can't seem to fill it with anything that is fulfilling. Um, and, and because of the circumstances of your life, you just aren't finding very much hope in anything. So regardless of what season of following you are in, okay, whether you're a Jesus follower or um, the following whatever in the world, um, regardless of that, we are all in a following season, and that's defined by this. It looks like this. It's a space in our lives that we, are, that we, and that, that we seek to take the next step of faith that God is calling us to. That's what a following season is. Just, it's just that time in our life that we seek to take the next step of faith that God is calling us to. And it, it looks different in everybody's life. We've kind of established that in the past. It, it's driven by um, our past circumstances, right? Maybe before we, um, before we were saved and we put our faith in Christ, we lived a life that maybe we're not so proud of. And, and it's still our, it, it still affects us. So it's driven by our past, uh, past circumstances. It's driven by our life experiences. Uh, obviously, if you're 68 years old, you're going to see the world and faith and um, Jesus and, and how your relationship works with him a lot differently than if you're 23 because you have different life experiences. You're just in a different state. It might be driven by your family dynamics um, and how you live in your family. It's, it's affected by our surroundings. There's all kinds of different variables that play into that. And the Holy Spirit works in us and through all of those things. And sometimes, despite all those times, like we shared last week, in, the, in our past, he can still work in us. Because you cannot follow something that's behind you, right? We, we talked about that last week. So we're in our following season. We're trying to take the next step of faith that God is calling us to. And in, in our step of faith, in your step of faith, maybe today your step of faith is the first step of placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time as your personal Savior. And, and maybe it's, it's your 74th step. Of faith, and you're down the road in your journey with God. But regardless of where you are, the next step in your following season, you're learning. That's, that's what we do when we're following. We're learning. We're learning about who God is, who God is in my life, how He can um, affect me, how He works through me. He, we're learning about what God can do in us, 
because that's important, right? We're learning about what God can do through us because that's even more important. That's what he wants to do is use us for his kingdom. And we're learning about how God values you and how he sees you in his kingdom plans for the use of his kingdom, right? So we're, we're learning and we are growing. We're growing in our faith by trusting in God's will and, and for what God wants in front of what I want, okay? And we're growing our faith by seeking to give more, um, <clears throat> more of ourselves to him every single day. And we're surrendering. We surrender what, what we want. Then that's hard because we really like what we want, right? You know, there's a reason why we, we want it so much. So we surrender what we want for what God's want, for what he wants. We surrender our will for God's will. And this is not anything new. Jesus did this. He, he prayed in the garden before he gave his life for all of our sins. Not my will, but your will be done, right? Take this from me. And, and God said, no, we, this is something that has to happen. And so he had to surrender. Surrender, and then we surrender those things that hold on to us. Right? We have to surrender the things that hold on to us. The things from our past, maybe it's an addiction or a relationship, or it, maybe it's just maybe it's a TV show, or um, the way we spend, in our, spend our money. Whatever it looks like, we give that up and surrender and allow God to use us despite of the, the faults and the insecurities and the things that we have inside of us. And, and that's what being a follower of Jesus looks like. And it's a journey. It's a long journey, but it has an incredible reward. And speaking of being on a journey with an incredible reward, we, are, um, we heard in our scripture reading today, Geraldo read from Genesis. And we've been talking about how the Israelites got to Egypt and they're wandering around the, uh, <clears throat> they're wandering around the, the wilderness and they're annoying Moses a bunch and had given God all kinds of problems because they just can't seem to line up with where he wants to take them. But we find out today in our scripture why. Why are they there? And, and so God speaks to Abram. Okay, eventually he becomes Abraham, right? Father Abraham he had many sons in right arm, left arm. Everybody do it together. No. All right. He, and he says, he, God tells Abram, I want you to get up and go. Just out of the blue. Take Take your, take your stuff, your family, and get up and move. And I'm going to tell you where to go. He didn't say, this is where you're headed. No travel itinerary. He just said, go. So Abram left. And he promises Abram some things. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Which is crazy because he had no kids at that point. He says, I'm going to make your name great. And so he, he leads them to this land where the Canaanites lived. And God told them when they got there, your offspring will live in this land. God said all of that. And when God says it, it's going to happen, right? Because God keeps his promises. So we fast forward just a few years. 685, actually, years. We find Moses and the nation of Israel... Um, on, the, on the tail end of a 40-year following season. 
We've kind of been following them for the last few weeks. And, and we, so let's check in on God's promises to Abraham. He says, I'll make you a great nation. Well, Jacob moved his family of 70 to Egypt. And um, 70, and now they're on the cusp of the promised land. Um, and, and this is about 400 some years later. But there's over 2 million of them. So, yeah, check. Promise kept. Okay, great nation. 2 million people, that, that's a great nation, especially in those times. I will make your name great. Well, at the beginning of Scripture, all throughout, especially the Old Testament, in Scripture over and over again, God introduces himself or, or God is introduced to others by others by I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it starts with the one guy, with Abraham. All because he got up and left. And so 42 generations later, after Abraham, a baby's born from the same bloodline in Bethlehem. Ironically enough, and his name is Jesus. So, I'll make your name great. Promise, check. Right? I'll give, you your off, I'll give your offspring this land, the promised land. So that was the next promise. And <clears throat> um, we should be able to check that box too. Um, we should have been able to check it three weeks ago when they were on the Jordan River banks. And, but we couldn't, not yet. And that's not God's fault. That's the Israelites' fault because they couldn't get out of their own way. And they made bad decisions and God had to set them straight and he did punish them. And we're getting close to checking that box of the Israelites taking the land of Canaan. And we'll probably do that next week because next week's the end of the series. So we got to bring it all to a nice close, right? Because that's how we do it. Everything always comes to a nice close. So today we find ourselves in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you want to find Deuteronomy in your Bibles, it's uh, towards the front in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Deuteronomy um, is spelled funny, and I can never do it right on the first time. Um, but we see this last leg of the following season that the Israelites are taking. And Deuteronomy basically is this book uh, of Moses telling, he's basically just talking to the Israelites. It's a state of the union or state of the nation address to the Israelites from Moses to the nation of Israel. And um, it's not always good stuff that he shares. And, and Moses gives this overall recap of the past 40 years. And, and so it's not going to be good all the time. And he tells them all that God has done for the Israelites. And he tells them all that God, all the Israelites have done in return for God. So it starts out by talking about um, God tells Moses in a burning bush, through the burning bush, I've heard the cries of my people. That's how it all started when he talks to Moses in the wilderness, but, but before he goes back to Egypt, and he sends Moses back, and he delivers, I've heard the cries of my people, it's time for them to get out. It's been four centuries of slavery, let's get them out. And Moses goes back, and he deli helps deliver them from Egypt after the plagues and all the things that God did um, to get Pharaoh to release them. He parts the Red Sea. They, they all go through on dry ground. They, they uh, all start to camp there at, at Mount Sinai. He gives the law 
the Ten Commandments, right? All the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. And he teaches them how to live. God has given them all this information because he wants them to live the right way. Not like the whole world was living. Does that sound familiar? Right? We talked about the Beatitudes. We talked about everything in the New Testament. The way Jesus talked was not about the way the world was. It was about the way the kingdom of heaven is. It was the same way back in, in, in Moses' day. And, and so he's teaching them. And they're wandering around the, the wilderness. And there's manna. There's manna every morning. They didn't have to do anything but go out and pick it up. And then they got tired of that. And they got tired of not having meat. So there was quail. There was quail up to their, their waist. And they got so sick of quail, it made them throw up. They made it to the Jordan River the first in 20 years. It should have taken them 11 days. To walk that far. It took them 20 years. They get to the Jordan River. They sent in the spies, just like God said. And they were not spies to see what, what they needed to do and if they could do it. It was just to figure out how they were going to do it. And the people rebel against God. And they say, we should go back to Egypt. Because they were stuck in the past. And instead of going back to Egypt, God sends them back to the wilderness. And he punishes them. And, and in this time of Moses just telling them all these facts, just in case they forgot why they were there, he also throws a couple of jabs in there about uh, Moses says, you know, because of you, the Lord became angry with me. He's telling that God's angry with me. I'm Moses, right? I'm leading you, and God's mad at me because of you guys. And I'm just trying to lead and do what he asked me to do and listening to you guys gripe all the time, and he's mad at me. And he does this a couple times, all because of one incident that we'll get to in just a moment. But eventually, they're back on the banks of the Jordan. Should have been a 22-day trip, right? They go back and forth 40 years in the wilderness. A whole generation dies off because they're not obedient to God. And we leave the Israel, we're going to leave the Israelites here, right on the banks of the Jordan, until next week. And then we'll check off that 685-year promise next time, okay? But here's where Moses, <clears throat> here's where Moses, he, he, he does not get what he wants. He doesn't get what he plans for. Because sometimes the consequence of our sin affects us even after we've surrendered our lives to God. And that's, that's hard to stomach sometimes because we think, oh, well, I've, I've surrendered my life. I'm, I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to follow Jesus. And so everything I've done in the past is erased. But that's not true. Otherwise, people who get saved in prison would all get out, right? That's just not the way it works. Sometimes the effects of our sins follow us throughout our whole life, even after we've surrendered our lives to God. And in Moses' case, his disobedience, was it happened while he's serving. While he's serving God. Doing a miracle. For in God's name, right? And, and in Deuteronomy chapter 3, we see Moses plead with God one more time um, to change his mind about letting him enter the promised land. Um, but, but when God makes a promise, we've already said that, it's going to happen. But Moses, he has to do something that we all have to do. He has to own his sin. He has to recognize that he was responsible for his sin, 
Just like we have to recognize that I am, I have to recognize I'm responsible for my sin. And so here's what Moses is telling the Israelites. Um, Let's see, this is in uh, Deuteronomy 3, chapter 23, or chapter 3, verse 23. At the time, I pleaded with the Lord. Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant to your, to your, your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds of your, in your mighty works that you do? Let me go over and see the land beyond the Jordan, the fine hill country in Lebanon. That's Moses talking to God, which is cool because he just had a conversation with him all the time. Let me go. Please, 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 let me go. But Moses says, but because of you people, but because of you Israelites, the Lord is angry with me, and he would not listen to me. That's enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore on this matter. So God made a promise to Abraham, to Moses that we'll talk about in just a second. But one thing. One thing, one act kept Moses from getting across the Jordan to see the greatness of the land that God had promised his people. One little thing. It was not very big at all. And, and we'll find out. So here's the situation. Back in Exodus chapter 17, um, in the first 20 years, okay, uh, if, if we were, this would be like act two in a five-act play. Okay, um, back in this story is really cool. The people were thirsty in the wilderness. Well, duh, there's not a lot of water. And, God, and they're mad about being thirsty because, well, the Israelites complained about everything. We talked about that last week. Moses asked God, what are we going to do? They're going to get after me pretty soon, and they're going to hurt me. So what should I do? God he instructs Moses, take your staff, the same staff that he was holding when God talked to him through the burning bush. He, he asked him, remember, he said, what's that in your hand? He said, I got my staff, right? Uh, that's what I beat the sheep with when they don't do where I want them to go, okay? And he said, throw it, on the, throw it on the ground. It became a snake. Remember that? He said, take your staff and, and go in front of the people. Strike the rock with the staff. And that's what he did. He waxed the, the rock with the staff, and what happens? Water just comes flying out of there. Pretty cool, right? Awesome miracle. God provided for the Israelites. And did they care? No, they just drank the water. They, were, they probably said, thank you, God, for this water. Um, just like we pray for our food sometimes before a meal. You know, It's just kind of really quick because we're hungry and we want to eat. He said, thanks for this water. And then they just drank it. Okay? So we leap now to the second 20-year trip. They've already been banished one time, back to the wilderness, after the spies report to God, he's punishing the nation of Israel for their lack of faith. So they're back there, and the people, again, had no water. And their livestock were dying, and they were having a hard time. And God gives Moses some very specific instructions. And what he says was, take the staff with you. The staff. And then he says, and you will speak to the rock before their eyes. And it will pour out its water. So Moses gathers them all up and he tells them, here we go. Remember this? Maybe, you, maybe you're old enough to remember about 30 years ago when we whacked the rock with the stick and we got water. Well, here we go. I got the stick. 
Here we go. Must we bring water out of this rock? What's wrong with that statement? Must we? What did Moses have to do with that? There's some, I mean, maybe he got a little cocky and um, maybe a little empowered, which God can do, right? He works through us. I get that. But it, he did not recognize what he should have said was, must God bring water out of this rock for you? But he said we, and then what did he do? He struck the rock two times. And he disobeys God because he was supposed to speak to the rock. That's all. And the consequence was not immediate. Because what happened? Water came gushing out. And all of the Israelites got their water and they didn't have a problem with what Moses did because they were satisfied. But God tells Moses, because you did this, because of this, you will not enter the promised land. One thing. Tap, tap, or give me some water, please. That's all it would have taken. That's the only difference. Kept him from being a part of God's promise 685 years ago to Abraham. So in Deuteronomy, years later, there, there they are. On the, uh, in reality, they're on the banks of the River Jordan again, and it's time to enter. And reality is sinking in for Moses. And I can imagine it's 40 years of planning for Moses, right? He's thinking, okay, I've heard about this promised land because he was an Israelite, right? And all of the stories, and it was promised to him after all too, right? So um, he's dreaming of all these things that he was going to be able to do once they finally get there. That he's going to find a place. Just to, I don't want something grand and, and incredible. I just want to find a place where I can rest and retire and um, get away from maybe some of the really more annoying Israelite people. Let them go over there, right? And, and dream of the possibilities of living under the will and protection of God in this land that, that he has given them. That he promised to Abraham 685 years ago. But just one moment of selfishness, right? One little slip where he strikes the rock two times instead of speaking to it. And he goes against the request of God. And that's all it took. And Moses has to come to grip with that. That one thing. Because he's still blaming the Israelites multiple times, right? Two times he blames the people. He says, because of you, God's angry with me. Because of you people, God's angry with me. And what he's really wanting them to do is he's wanting the people to get behind Moses and say and start talking to God. Maybe they, they could change God's mind for him. Moses has changed God's mind for the Israelites multiple times in the last 40 years. Whoa. So it could happen. He wanted them to advocate for him maybe. But God finally says, hey, that's enough. I'm done talking about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. And it definitely did not go like Moses planned, did it? He does not get what he wants. And you might say, well, that's pretty harsh, don't you think? One little slip. I mean, the Israelites, right? They, they were annoying. They, we talked about how much they complained last week. But they were little bitty things that they just couldn't handle. And uh, 
But Moses, he dealt with a lot. And when you're the leader, you deal with a lot, right? If you've ever been in charge of anything, you know, if you're a teacher, you deal with a lot. If you're a parent, you deal with a lot. If you're the leader of your family and there's two parents and two kids, you deal with a lot. And so it just comes at you, right? It just comes at you. And in the end, who's responsible for his answer, for his actions? It's Moses. And he's the one who has to own it. He has to recognize, that's my fault. That was me. And as we follow, as Paul, as you follow, as we live our lives, we're not going to be perfect. Amen? Yeah. We're going to fall short. We're going to sin. We're going to hurt others, whether intentional or not. It's going to happen. We're going to fail other people because we're human. It's the nature that's within us from birth. It's who we are. And in our following season, our first step of faith is to recognize that in our lives and to own it. To recognize that we are sinners. We acknowledge, I'm a sinner. Some of us are like, well, yeah, I'm a sinner. And, it, and then we don't really get it. But as we learn and we grow and we surrender, that concept of being a sinner becomes more and more heavy. And fortunately, the story of grace is only beginning right there on the banks uh, of the Jordan with God and with Moses and with us. Because eventually, eventually, like we talked about, this, this 42 generations later from Abraham's bloodline, a guy named, a baby named Jesus was born. And eventually, God's own son comes to earth. And he would be born into a world that he created, that he helped say, let there be light, and there was light. I mean, that's what happened. Jesus was there. And he would, he would grow up, and he would never sin, not even once, not even a little one, like speaking to a rock or tapping on a rock. He would, he would then grow up and take time to show others that were following him how to live, how to treat others, how to speak to others, how to love others. And he would willfully lay down his life on a cross as a sacrifice for all the sins of the entire world. My sins, your sins, all the sins of the entire world, including the one that Moses did, all the sins of the past before Jesus was crucified, he paid for those sins including Moses' little uh, rock slap, right? And all the sins up to this minute at 11.48 a.m. Yeah, we're, we're almost done, so you're good, okay? And all the sins from this second on. He died for those two. He, was, he did all that for us. And then they buried him. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And because of that, that conquers 
that sacrifice, the willingness of laying down his life for us, and then raising from the dead to defeat that sin and death and hell, we have the opportunity that, that to see the promised land, if you will. We have the more than just what Moses got that we'll talk about next week. Where he just got to climb a mountain and look over there. We get the opportunity to be in eternity in heaven with God the Father Almighty someday. But we have to own it. Right? And that's not easy. Because that means self-reflection a lot of times. That means we have to be honest with ourselves, which is not always the easiest thing either. <clears throat> but we need to repent of our sins. We need to acknowledge that we are sinners. And we need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. And then we need to invite Jesus to be our Savior. And for some of us today, that could be the next step of faith that you need to take. That could be the first step of faith that you need to take. In your following season, remember, we're all in one. It's simple. And I think that, uh, remember, it's an incredible journey that has an incredible reward. And we're going to leave this up here <clears throat> because we're going to have that opportunity today. And... Um, we're going to take this opportunity, and I'm going to pray. And I want, uh, I want everyone who would like to to take that next step of faith today. If if you've never done that, this could be the end of the first following season that you've had, and you can enter the next one in just a few minutes. But we take this next step of faith that that ends with us repenting of our sins and asking Jesus to be our Savior, that gives you the opportunity to be in heaven with God someday, that's the reward that we're looking at. And then we get to continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to surrender our lives to him and watch what he does in and through us for the rest of our lives. That is pretty rewarding too. So, as we pray, and I'm going to pray, and you can, you can say this prayer, but it's very simple. And we'll leave it up here, and you can just go down the list and, and say, God, I, I am a sinner, and I repent of that sin. If you want to be specific, be specific. But I, I ask you, God, to, to forgive me. And I want to invite Jesus to be my personal Savior. Come into my heart today. It's that simple. If you want to come and do that here at the altar, you're welcome to. We have some people that would love to come and pray with you. If you need help walking through any of that, that'd be great. If you can do it right where you're seating, sitting, that's fine too. But most importantly, you do it. And we take that next step of faith. So let's pray together. Father God, we, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to surrender our hearts to you. And there may be some here today even that 
have had this opportunity multiple times, and they've just put it off, or they've just said no, or they've never even really thought about it. But Father, I just ask that, that you will, uh, that your Holy Spirit will just work in, in the hearts of those here today to be willing to take that next step of faith. And maybe it's the very first step of, of acknowledging that we are sinners, that it's acknowledging that we need a Savior in our lives and that we give our hearts to Jesus. Maybe we're down the road in our journey and it means that we need to surrender something or someone or some, something that we do to you as we learn to, to learn and grow and give away our lives to you in surrender. But whatever the case is, Father, we just pray that you would, at, uh, at, at every point in our lives, will intersect with us and that you will work through us and that you will change our hearts and show us what you're calling us to be. And then you will give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to live that out every single day. And Lord, we, we pray for those that are taking that next step of faith right now. That you'll just encourage them and empower them and help them to feel your spirit right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this following season that we're in and all the things that you're calling us to be. We thank you for seeing the value in our lives as individuals and what that looks like in your kingdom and how you can use us to affect our community, our families, and, and, and just spread the love of Jesus throughout all those that we know because of, of your love. Father, help us to have a great week this week. Show us your mercy, and we just ask, God, that you'll give us the opportunities to share our faith when needed, and that we will be bold enough to walk through the doors that you open for us, and that as we encounter those around us, that we will love them in the way that you have loved us. And help us to, to encourage each other, to reach out to each other as well as we go. Help us have a great afternoon. And uh, we just rest in your arms. We'll be very careful at the end of every day in all that we do to give you the glory that you've done and for the things that you've done in us and through us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for this great day. If uh, you want to stick around and pray, you're welcome to. Have a great afternoon and a great week, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.